Hey! Welcome to another episode of Super FX, the show where... What? I'm Matt. And I'm Tyler. This is episode number nine. Um, <laughs> yeah, I couldn't think of anything super clever there. It's very hot today, and my brain is fried, so... Oh, that's... I'm just... that's... Uh, it's interesting. It's it's feeling very um, d- decidedly fall here, decidedly autumnal. Man, fuck uh, you! Here. I I that's my favorite season. A and B. As much as I really enjoy the summertime because of what comes with it, I just I can't stand the heat. I overheat very easily, and right now the car the uh, my car AC is like barely functioning correctly. Oh no! So so it's yeah, windows get... down for you. Yeah, basically the two ninety rule: two windows down, ninety miles per hour. <laughs> not, not yeah. really. I, like I, I try to have the air blowing at least a little bit, just to give myself some sort of circulation in the car besides the windows. But um, I had like a forty-five minute drive home today from my final lesson, so it's it's just not good. My, I oh, feel exhausted. Sweaty boy, sweaty. sweaty oh boy. yeah, yeah. I was I was thinking honestly for a moment there. I was like, I could do the podcast in my undies. <laughs> no one can see me, but I decided uh, just, just to put PJs on. Oh, <laughs> uh, it would have been just like a regular episode then, eh? Well, no, the regular episode, I just do it completely naked. Oh, boy. Uh, it's, it's been really uh, kind of like chilly here, um, but like it, it's it's a little unseasonal. Normally, we still have like pretty warm weather until maybe like early to mid-September, and then it starts like really cooling down. But yeah. lately, the past couple of days, it's been like quite cold. Um you know, like 10 degrees Celsius kind of thing, which is fine. Like, I, I kind of like that weather, but there's something about this kind of season that just feels, I don't know, There's whatever it is, like, autumn always feels a certain way. And I think it's because, like, that's when we went back to school and, you know, like, that's when, yeah. like, the summer ended. And so there was definitely, like, this kind of, like, feeling in the air. Like, you kind of get this, like, very, I don't know, it's kind of nostalgic for me, I find. I can agree with that. Um even despite the nostalgia, I love like the feeling of fall air because it's it's crisp and it's cool. And mm-hmm. even on rainy days, you get that extra like smell in the air from all the leaves that are on the ground. It's really nice. Yeah, Lauren, uh, Lauren's getting her classroom set up to teach this year, um, mm-hmm. and so I went over there to help with uh, a couple of her like uh, computery stuff uh, in her classroom. And uh, wow, it was weird to be in an elementary school. Uh, oh yeah, I, <laughs> I had not <laughs> been in one of those places. It seems so much smaller. Uh, yeah, when you're a child, that place. Yeah, seems I I took a um a teacher's preparatory course when I was in high school, and every other day that we took the course, we would actually go to an elementary school to student teach elementary school ki- elementary school kids. And oh, fun. I remember the first time that I walked into an elementary school classroom after however many years, like se- six seven years before then. And I felt like I was trapped in a box. That classroom was tiny. Oh, dude, it's weird. It's super, super weird. It, it just seems so large when you're six years old. But when you're 16 or 17 years old and you look back the 10 years in age, it's, oh, my God. Yeah. She's uh, she's also going kind of, she goes, like, all in on, um, like, little, like, projects for her classroom or for the students and, like, getting things, like, super, super prepped. Like, she goes hard. So yeah. yesterday, she went. Um, she went to the dollar store to get some pom poms. Um, I think. I think the idea is, you know, they have a, like a whiteboard in the class, and so every every student gets a marker, and then they have a little pom pom on the end of it, so that so it like erases on the on the whiteboard on the dry erase. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I guess the dollar store didn't have any pom poms, so she um, she came home and she had like six or seven trolls headbands that had pom-poms <laughs> on them and she spent the evening literally cutting off the pom-poms off of this headband and gluing them onto dry erase markers wow but at that and point so, i would have just gone to a craft store and just bought pom-poms uh yeah i think it was like late and she just wanted to get home kind of thing i know but oh, yeah gotcha. uh you should see i'll send you a picture so you can upload it uh you can you, you should see that it's got like a mohawk and all these hearts and like these like strings on them and it was it, i mean it was definitely made by some like six-year-old kid uh dude it's rough anyway so what we uh, what i you know the brilliant idea i came up with was just to wear all of the headbands at the same time uh-huh um, and it looks like you know I, I don't know like you go to like vegas and there's like those like 
girls dress kind of like flamingos and uh <laughs> you know what i'm talking yes. about i don't know of course i do yeah. but i so they're just called showgirls i don't really know yeah, yeah yeah what that costume is supposed to be called but i knew exactly what you meant i just never heard anybody say that before anyway it's brilliant uh and i love it so i'm glad she did not make the trip to the craft store because now i have seven trolls headbands you're gonna be living in uh, fashion territory boyo oh yeah you want to know a thing or two about fashion wait until you see these headbands <laughs> what games are you playing while you're wearing your headbands uh, all right. I know. I know that this show is kind of known as a Pokemon uh, forward <laughs> show. Um, and uh, I don't know I, what I, you're talking about. I've never played a Pokemon game in my <laughs> life. I kind, I kind of um, like vowed in a way that like I would not contribute to that. You know, like because there's always going to be Matt's playing Pokemon, and that's going to be like the thing for the next five years. You, know? you literally played New Pokemon Snap in one of like our earlier episodes. I guess it was after that. I vowed. I vowed. I, you know, whatever. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, I I found myself uh, one night last week uh, perusing the eShop on Nintendo Switch. Um, and only to realize that, oh right, the Pokemon MOBA, the fucking League of Legends clone, Pokemon <laughs> Unite, uh, was out. It was available. I think it came out in July. Um, and I was like, oh sure, like what the hell? I'll give that a go. I'll download this shitty free free to play MOBA Pokemon game. <laughs> um, and here I am, like a week later, fucking addicted to this shit. That's what everyone uh, says. It's actually yeah, really good. I I don't know if "good's" the term I would use or what. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's 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 not bad. Like it, it's 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 fine uh, for what it is. Um, I've never been like massive into MOBAs, and it's not for lack of trying because I played a decent amount of League of Legends in high school. There was like a, a group of a group of folks at my high school who were really into it. Um, and I played, like, my fair share. Like, I, you know, I wasn't hardcore about it. I never, like, really got into deep strategy or, you know, I never watched any esports um, of it. Like, I, I never followed that kind of thing. But I definitely played, like, a good couple, you know, hundred matches or whatever. Right. Um, of League of Legends. And then I, I also played Heroes of the Storm, which is the, the Blizzard one with all, like, the Blizzard characters. And that one I actually preferred to League of Legends. Um the matches are a little bit shorter uh, and the map is just a little bit tighter um, and it just felt overall like a, a little bit more of a cohesive streamlined experience than League of Legends. I think League of Legends is maybe to that point now but it's still like a task, right? To sit down and play a game of League of Legends, it's like a 45 minute experience and so you have to really have the time dedicated and for yeah. regular listeners of the show they know that I'm garbage at that you know <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, Well you I'm just all you about... work a lot Sure. I mean, I'm I'm all about like having a very quick experience, being able to hop in, do a you know, bust out a couple games, and then be done with it. Uh, and so, Pokemon Unite is definitely that type of MOBA, um, rather than the 45 minute epic that is League of Legends. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's 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 not incredible. Like it, it it lacks the polish that I think this is something that a lot of like kind of free to play MOBAs and or mobile games kind of have. It's it's that you, you can definitely feel that the game is always checking in with the server for whatever reason. Like, it basically feels like it runs on off of a server. Gotcha. Where, and, and what I mean by that is, like, when you're in the menus, you're kind of selecting different things, and it takes, like, forever to load, and it's kind of hitchy. Like, the, the, the animations will kind of, like, glitch in and out and uh, while it loads the data from the servers and stuff. Like, it's, it's very much... It's, it's very clear at all times that this game is running off a server and, like, very little is actually happening on device. Right. It's, it's kind of that feeling. Um, so it, it's not, like, super polished that way. The it, It's got, like, the free-to-play mobile game... Um, you know, there's daily challenges and there's like big things that you got to complete. You got to play X number of games. You got to get an X number of experience and then you unlock these bonuses. Yeah. And if you got to log, log in, in and do my dailies, mom, yeah. leave me alone. Yeah. There's a lot of that. Um, but uh, when it comes to actual like core gameplay, like it's, it's a MOBA. So you kind of know what to expect getting into it. I can't say that there's a ton that differentiates it except for, um, 
the the kind of in in League of Legends, if uh, if you've played it, it's they have towers that you have to destroy uh, along the way right. as, as you progress. It's kind of like that, except instead of towers, you kind of gain points as you kill uh, uh, monsters and other Pokemon. Um, and then you can kind of slam dunk these points in a very satisfying way into these kind of goal areas uh, that are along the path. Um, mm-hmm. And then at the end, at the end of the game, they tally how many uh, points each team has slam dunked into these goal areas. Um, it, it's, it's surprising. You can get to the end and kind of beat the other team's uh, tower uh, at, the, at the very end, kind of like League of Legends, but it, the, the t- there's a time limit, and the time limit will typically run out faster than we get to the end. I've so, found, like I've, the, so the goal is not focused on that? No, reason, it's 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 very much like get as many points into these goal areas as you can, um, and as uh, when when the time runs out, there's no kind of goal tracker or point tracker that I've seen, um, and so it's kind of like a uh, it's kind of interesting because often at the end of the match the time will expire and there's kind of a reveal of who won. Um, right. Because you don't really know how many points yet. Like you, in certain matches, you can definitely tell. You just have like, to hope oh, that like, like you did well enough that it was better than the other team. Yeah, I, not, I mean, you, but you can't keep track during the game because there's really no way to tell because everything's so sporadic. Yeah, you can tell. You can definitely tell like if you're dominating, right? Because like each goal area will explode if you deposit enough points into it. Um, yeah. And so if if you still have all your goal areas and the opponent has lost like four of theirs, then you know that you won. Um, yeah. But in a close match, it's uh, you, you can't really tell um, unless you like ran to each goal post, which you're not going to do, uh, to determine how many points are left in each one. Um, anyway, so a little bit of an interesting dynamic there. I think the big pull with this is that it's Pokemon. Um, yes. Yeah. You know, it, it could be any other generic mobile MOBA game. Um, and uh, and be fine, and I don't think it would gain any traction if it didn't have the Pokemon license on it. Um, yeah, it's it's cool and it's interesting to see uh, all the different Pokemon that are on there. I think there's I want to say maybe there's about fifteen um, on there, and it's a mix. Like there's a good amount like of Gen One Pokemon, but there's some new ones or what uh, newer ones as well. Yeah, um, I've been really big on Talonflame. Um, that's like my my main at this point. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, like you know, it, there's there's skins that you can buy with real money. Um, there's the one uh, Snorlax has one that he's wearing like these star shaped sunglasses, and he's got like a pool floaty, um, and it's it's pretty <laughs> adorable. Um, and uh, Pikachu's got like a hip hop hoodie gangsta kind of look going on in one of his. So like you know, it's it, it, it's fun. It's got it's got all that kind of stuff, but it really wouldn't be. Um, anything special if it didn't have that Pokemon license on it. So it really adds to it that way. Um, but yeah. I definitely, like, I fell for it. You know, I bit and, and got hooked on this on this shit. I, I find it amazing that um, there are so many different genres inside the Pokemon franchise. Like, you gotta, you gotta wonder how many people were turned on to specific genres because of Pokemon's willingness to experiment. Like, when Pokemon first came out, it's just, you know, standard JRPG. It's got some different elements from maybe your normal kind of standard jrpg but uh-huh. how many people do you think started to fall in love with rpgs because of the original pokemon and oh, then sure. pokemon mystery dungeon turned me on to roguelikes so i know that that turned people on to roguelikes i was one of them and i wonder if pokemon tournament turned people on to tournament fighters and now we have pokemon unite turning people onto mobas probably yeah and pokemon snap turning people onto photography games yeah, how many of those are there? <laughs> but, like, look, look at how, like, separate from each other all of these different genres are. I mean, you can argue that roguelikes and RPGs are almost married to each other, but they're still very distinct. Mm-hmm. And then fighting games and MOBAs are, like, way different from each other, and together they're way different from an RPG or a roguelike. So, yeah. If you like Pokemon, there's a really good chance that you have experienced quite a wide variety of genres in gaming just because of that. And oh, I think that's really cool. Yeah, I, it's, you know, one of the only big franchises that I can think of that really kind of experiment as much as it does, right? Like, you, don't, you don't see a, a, like a, a, a Mario uh, Yeah, we're never going to get a Mario MOBA. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess, gotten, I, uh, I, I guess there's we got, like, Mario Kart Mario Tactical playing. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's there's a couple of them, so they are branching out a little bit. But yeah, it, it's 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 rare to th- I think to see um, a genre or a, a franchise branch out like this. Um, and and just, they're so willing to experiment that way. And I think yeah. I think to a certain extent, like the Pokemon company knows that like these these fuckers are just gonna play whatever the shit we put out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but we could, yeah, we could put out like Pokemon doctor appointment, and everyone would sign up. Yeah, it's. It, I think they, but I do think that they've been treating that brand with like a lot of respect at the same time. It's not like it's, it, I, I feel like with Sonic sometimes they kind of just throw him to the to the dogs, you know. Oh and, yeah, uh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, with Pokemon, I still think that whenever you play a Pokemon game, no matter what game it is, like it's, you know, the the characters are still treated with respect, and 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 it's it's something that's you know usually relatively well designed whether or not like the gameplay like actually hits it, that's a different question but it's something that you know it, it obviously that there's some there's some care that they've put into it um yeah yeah i i'm interested to see where pokemon unite goes i think it it seems to me i've heard quite a few people talking about it quite a few friends um who are playing it and it's it's only on switch right now but i believe it comes to ios and android i, I want to say september sometime so pretty darn quick um so i wonder if this is something that's really going to take off uh because i feel like i've heard a lot of people talking about it um and uh it does have a very addictive style in, in traditional moba fashion um right. So I I wonder I wonder if it's if it's gonna take off uh, and and become something something big you know like a net, like another esport Pokemon Unite yeah e-sport. I wonder I don't know because I feel like there's a lot of mo- I mean every MOBA has its community and it's got its little competition scene right um, yeah. c- certainly things like Dota and and League have taken off like to a huge extent. oh yeah they're gigantic yeah yeah and even heroes of the storm to an extent like there's there's a bunch of them that have uh, a certain level of following but I, f- I feel like there's a ton of mobas as well that you never hear about right there's probably dozens mm-hmm. that we we don't even know the names of and they have the, they have their tiny communities but you know you, you got to wonder if pokemon unite now it's uh you know being a switch slash mobile game um is gonna capture kind of an audience that maybe wouldn't have been as attracted to a dota or a league of legends and uh and really take off that way uh i guess time will tell yeah i have to ask because i'm not 100 percent familiar with pokemon unite i haven't downloaded it myself and i've only heard what people have been saying about it to me but like how does it run exactly are there microtransactions and stuff in the game like there have oh to be, yeah right? Yeah, of course. the the micro microtransactions, as far as I can tell, are, are um, just for the skins. Uh, mm-hmm. I I haven't purchased anything, so I, I I don't know exactly. I think you can use them to buy um, the other fighters as well. Like if you have fighters that you haven't unlocked yet, you can either earn or you know the typical mobile game strategy of you can earn in-game currency, which takes a good while to earn, or you can spend five bucks and just get that guy now. Yeah. Um, so it, it's like that. Um, I don't sense any pay-to-win stuff yet. It's definitely... So I, I'm a big proponent of games that uh, reward you interestingly for playing a lot, but it doesn't necessarily buff you for playing a lot. Um, yeah. And so I'll give you, an, I guess, maybe a negative example of this. I remember um, in high school, people were you know really big into COD, and at the time it was like Modern Warfare 2, um, was the big one at the time. And mm-hmm. uh, I remember there were guys at school who would play, like, you know, every night, five, six hours all the time. You know, if they're not in school, they're playing. And these guys would get all these perks, right? You get, like, all of these, like, um, these buffs. Like, you 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 have different skills and, and such that you uh, unlock as the more and more that you play, right? And especially if you're, if you're quite good, you'll level up faster, you'll get these buffs faster, right? Um, and yeah. so if I, if I come in as a newbie, like obviously like their skill is going to, going to help them immensely in terms of beating me. Um, but all, they've also got all these buffs and they, you, they can run faster and they have better guns and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, that I don't have. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, that really irks me in games. I, 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 I'm definitely of the belief that if, if you, ha- if you're, if you've played a lot, the differentiating fact, differentiating factor should be your skill, right? If, if I'm going to face you, you know, mano a mano, right? And you, you've played a lot and I have not, I expect that you will beat me. Uh, but I want that to be because of your skill and not because you, you know, have unlocked all the good guns and I had never stood a chance regardless of your skill. You know? Yeah. 
Um, so I, I guess what it boils down, my point here is with Pokemon Unite, it seems like there's a couple items and small things that you can unlock uh, the more you play. I don't get the sense that these are massive buffs. It just seems like you, you can basically you can assign held items uh, to each uh, Pokemon before you start a battle. Um, yeah. And so the held items, uh, you know, they give you like you get 1% better health regeneration or it's like a 1% faster movement speed and things like that. So it's a very minor, it seems to this point, as much as I played. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm really not big on, on uh, there being these buffs that you acquire that really give you a big difference in skill because you've played more uh, or a big difference in ability. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that that stays the same way. Yeah, me too. Especially because, you know, with a game that's free to play and a lot of people can, you know, pick it up and enjoy it because there's no money wall. Um, and it's fine that if, like, the game is going to give you something for you know, paying a small amount of money, then obviously you paid for it, so you deserve to have that. But it's not fair to everyone who maybe can't afford to buy things. So the rewards need to be catered to be fun but not game-breaking. It's just... It doesn't play out well if you're the type of gamer who's like, I really want to play this game, but I just like maybe you're a child, so you can't afford to buy things that are pay to win. Yeah, yeah. So of course. you just end up falling behind based on your age because you, you're too young to buy stuff, um, or just maybe you have convictions where like if this game is free, then I want to play it free. I don't want to buy anything at all and get through it on challenge alone. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, uh, you'll have to have to download it and hop on there, and uh, we can play a match or two. We'll, we'll see what you think. Yeah, I'd love that actually. I'm, I'm, busy, I'm busy with my own Pokemon journey still. Yeah, I'm almost done. I'm almost done, Tyler. <laughs> no, you're not. No, you're not. Uh, I, yes, I am. Um, I'm about midway through Emerald right now, and once Emerald is finished, I just have to do trades, and I'm all done. That's you're all it. done. That gen. With this generation, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gen 4, t- TBA. But, um, yeah, I'm almost done. It came to a point where I was so interested in all of the subtle differences between my performance in between games in different generations um, that I started keeping a little Google Doc about, like, what was the hardest Pokemon to capture in this game? How many balls did it take to capture the hardest Pokemon in that game? How many Shinies did I encounter? What was the hardest trainer battle? Um, what was my playtime for each game? Stuff like that. Because I think it's really cool when I go back, I can look at it and say, oh yeah, that Articuno and Fire Red really did take me 206 fucking Pokeballs <laughs> to capture. <laughs> well, Ultra Balls, but same. Yeah, brutal. That three, The three catch rate on those birds, let me tell you. But um, <laughs> yeah, I went back through some of my journals and, and messages with, with friends to create an accurate um catalog for the same information for my previous two challenge runs of gens 2 and 1 so now mm-hmm. i just have all three generations with um hardest encounter i.e how long it took me to find a specific pokemon in the wild hardest capture or how many balls it took me to catch a pokemon whichever one is the most the hardest battle number of losses or resets number of shinies encountered total number of pokemon caught um and the playtime for each game so yeah. you've recorded all of this i am i'm recording it all as i go along yeah amazing yeah i would love to see you could probably do some really interesting things with like uh, uh you know r slash data is beautiful kind of graphs and shit oh yeah oh uh, i color coded it and everything it looks really nice oh i'll have to God. show it to you yeah oh, yeah i'd love to see that <laughs> oh, yeah it looks well, yeah cute. once you're done the entire series you'll have to like take this all this data and uh yeah make some cool graphs and shit I think that'd be yeah, really once dope. I'm done with the uh, once I'm done with the whole thing, um, I'll pop a link to it in whatever video I talk about finally finishing because I think it would be cool for people to look at. Because I mean, I'm spending time doing it, so I want someone else to look. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, but yeah, sick. that's really it. I haven't been playing a whole mu- a whole bunch else, just Pokemon. Yeah, I I, I did a little bit more Towerfall. Um, I had uh, here. I'll I'll, I, uh, I'll have a small story for you. Um, yeah, my uh, my my friend Nick and I, friend of the show Nick. Hey, what's up, Nick? What's up, uh, Nick? He uh, he was playing. Uh, we 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 had scheduled time to play Halo because we're adults now, and you have to like book times with your friends in advance. 
uh, and you have to say, hey, on, you know, we said on August 23rd or whatever, we're going to play Halo at 7 p.m. And he was like, yep, sounds good. Let's book it. Yep. So uh, we had that time booked and, uh, uh, you know, that day comes along in the evening. I text him. I say, hey, we still good for tonight? He says, yep. No problem. Sounds good. Nick lives uh, in Ottawa, by the way. He lives across the, the oh really the, the country. So we were going to play online. Yeah. Um, and uh, we're like, cool. That sounds good. Um, so you know, six fifty-five rolls around, uh, and uh, I go downstairs and and pour myself a glass of wine, and uh, I get ready to come back upstairs and and play with Nick. And the doorbell rings, and it's fucking Nick. Oh. And I'm like, what? the hell and he was like yeah man i moved back seven uh, o'clock like, huh? <laughs> no way yeah and he he purposely timed it to ring the doorbell at seven seven o'clock so you know that's that that's how so you know cool. who the real ogs are that's so cool uh, anyway so yeah so nick sh- nick showed up and so we played towerfall uh which we talked about last episode um yeah. uh and yes yeah, so we, we we actually had uh, a group of friends over and we uh played like four player uh towerfall and it's a hit dude you gotta play that it's so much fun <laughs> i'll have uh, to yeah everybody was having a really good time um i i initially started by trying to get them to play ludo um on uh on clubhouse games yeah <laughs> uh but that would that didn't go over well so towerfall oh. was the <laughs> uh, the last time we played ludo it was a very frustrating experience to say the least for the, for the loser yeah, I guess so. That's yeah. I, I the the people the, the person who wins Ludo is always having a party, but everybody else oh, yeah. is. Uh... <laughs> well, yeah, uh, anyway, yes, yeah, Towerfall, a uh, big hit in in person um, uh, with with four players. Uh, definitely recommend checking that out if you're looking for a very fun couch uh, kind of multiplayer experience. I I really want to pick up Killer Queen Black. Um, yeah, I have to I, do some I digging. I think I told you it. I picked that up a while ago. I know. I, I got to do some digging for it because Amazon Canada used to have it and they don't anymore. And I'm kicking myself for not picking it up then. Do you um, want me to keep my so, eye out and see if I can like find a copy around here? Yeah, yeah. If you spot it, let me know. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm I, only I can, like I do some roughly three months away from seeing you again. So, well, hopefully with the way this Delta stuff's going. Well, well I really hope so. I'm going yeah. to say it with confidence because I really hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I will see you in three months. Damn it uh should we should we talk to the uh, to, to the should we talk about the gamer news with us yeah I'd, yes i'd really like to because i am frustrated yeah so uh, today's gamer news with a z as tyler accidentally misspoke um mm-hmm. it wasn't misspoke it was, it was we, correct. <laughs> we touched upon um the wada games grading and reselling for ludicrous prices in a past episode um but it has recently come to light that it is a big speculative bubble that was done on purpose by the people who work at WADA and, by extension, their parent company, Heritage Auctions, um, who is the one doing all the sales for WADA products. They're all in cahoots. It's a big, yeah. uh, it's a big jeep. Um, Tyler and I watched a 50-minute investigative video, and I will link that video in the uh, comments for the YouTube video. Um, basically that straight up exposes this entire thing using screenshots of documentation. It does a very good job of nailing down who exactly these people are. Um, and one person in particular, Jim Halperin is his name. He's the owner of Heritage Auctions. And this is not his first time creating a gigantic speculative bubble because in the mid 80s, he also caused the uh, coin boom, which was a thing I never even knew about. But um, I asked my uncle about it, who's a coin collector. And yeah, he had lots of stuff to say about it. Oh, so, really? <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, like I won't go into too much detail about the coins aspect of it. But basically, um, this video does a way better job of explaining this than I will. But I'll put it as lightly as I can with, with as much information as possible. I want to keep it concise. Um, speculation is an economic thing. It's when you buy into something or purchase an item specifically because, and really only because, you intend to flip it later to make a profit. However, speculation is more than just buying and reselling. It's all about doing so in the hopes that 
the market for that item or that service will continue to grow and you'll make continuous profit if you continue to do it. It's not just a simple, I'm buying this and flipping it for extra cash. You make this like a part of your life. It becomes a part of who you are. Um, and that's what's happening right now. This is all, economically speaking, speculation. Um, and it's all being done in-house to make people get into the market, which is good for WADA and Heritage Auctions because they make money when people grade and sell on their site. It's 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 baloney. Yeah, it's 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 total balls. Nobody is actually paying this much money in the real video game market for these games, even graded. I see people selling their own graded games on like Facebook Marketplace or in um, like video game groups on Facebook, and they're nowhere near as expensive as those same games go for on Heritage Auction site because they're marked up on purpose to get people thinking. That there's a market for them, so they create more of a speculative bubble, which makes more people go to grade their games at WADA, which gives WADA money. And then when the person who had that game graded by WADA turns around and sells it on Heritage Auctions, because WADA talks Heritage Auctions up like like it's nobody's business because they're the same company, basically, then Heritage Auctions takes a cut of the sale. And another thing that I didn't even know was real, but the video taught, taught me this... I, again, I don't have a problem with grading video games if it's for your own personal use. If you want to have like a little thing on your shelf that says this copy of Glover, let's say, because I have Glover <laughs> on the mind always, is a 9.8, a double plus. Hooray. If it's for your own personal benefit, I don't think there's a problem with grading. But um, now, I, now I have a little bit of a problem with grading because when you look at grading through a, um, like through a microscope, it's just... Hey, I'm going to look at this game. I'm going to evaluate it with whatever tools, question mark, I deem are necessary to use. Then I'm going to give my, quote, expert opinion on what I think this game's um, condition is based on a numerical scale from 0 to 10. Which, A, is very arbitrary, I know, but so are a lot of things. So that's not where my problem is. My problem is that um, when you grade a game with WADA, that should be the service that you pay for, but mm-hmm. it isn't. You also pay them 20% of the game's market value. So if you send them a copy of Glover, you're going to pay them 20% of Glover's, like, I think it's like $35 complete in box. But if you send them a copy of Little Samson complete in box, which is a couple thousand dollars, you're going to pay them 20% on that. For them to do the same job. <laughs> Brutal. Yeah. Why? What's up with that? Uh, it's a whole scam. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, here, here's what it boils down to for me. It, it's like, this is, you know, it, it's it's a whole ruse to, you know, the make the the people behind it wealthy. And it screws over the people who are actually interested in this hobby and who yep. are actually playing these games and who are actually like you know spending their 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 time and money uh to go collect collecting um organize their collections uh value their collections you know that kind of thing it it's only harmful to to those people yeah um and, and so you know f- for that reason i i gotta like you gotta think that at some point in time i, I especially with um, you know this video coming to light, and uh, with the the video game kind of um, the community being as active online and as vocal online as it is, um, you got to think that at some point, like there's got to be, you know, I, I think earlier than we would have seen with the coins and with the comic books and that kind of thing. Uh, eventually, there's a crash. I think when people kind of realize that everything's overvalued. Yeah, and I think with the video game community, the collecting community, I think that happens sooner rather than later. I would um, like to hope so, at least. You know, I, I I feel like especially now that all this info's out and it's you know it's it's quite clear what's going on here. Yeah. Um, I I got th- I I hoped that, you know, there are not people who are getting scammed into paying these exorbitant prices, and there are not people who, um, 
are, are looking, you know, in addition to the individuals involved, there are not people who are looking to kind of hop on that train, right? Um, the hope is that there is no train and that it all kind of crumbles at their feet, you know, before it really takes off here. Um, yeah. And it has already to an extent, um, but, you know, the, the hope is that the, the greater good will prevail and that the community is, is you know, vocal enough and smart enough uh, to not let the values get, like, so hyperinflated. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I just want to make sure that, you know, if we are going to be collecting games, even expensive ones, we're doing it for the right reasons. You know, yeah. I, I like it when people collect games because, oh, you know, I, I used to play a lot with my dad when I was younger, or I really enjoy the history of video games, or I collect for the specific console because it's my favorite console. Nice, good, personal reasons to collect. And I, I'm not the gaming police, so if you collect for a non-personal reason, maybe you're just like, oh, well, like, I think it'll be cool to have something worth a lot of money one day. Then power to you also. But I don't want you to be collecting for really shit reasons like i hope that one day i'll make a ton of money off this stuff so i'm just gonna take it from other collectors who care about it or yeah, it's it's the I'm, people who yeah. are buying it and shoving it into a plastic case and getting it graded and then it sits there on the shelf you know yeah. with the hope that the the value goes up right like yeah, that's because not... it's not just about like oh well like i only have one copy of it so like i'm not taking it from somebody else that's not the problem it's that when you buy into a market specifically for speculation, you're influencing the price of that item, which does affect others' ability to buy it. Even oh, if sure. there are a million copies of it, if the price goes up, it is harder to buy, even if there are a million of them. That's yeah. what's happening with Super Mario 64 now. There are so many eBay auctions for the just the cartridge of Mario 64 for thousands of dollars. It's the most common Nintendo 64 game, and it's all because of this. Yeah. It's because yeah, of this, I mean, this type of person, this type of buyer. You got you got to hope that the you know people aren't actually buying these and these completing these sales. In I really hope not. That, you know the the ones that are like you know more normally valued, but yeah, but people must be otherwise there wouldn't be any point to creating this artificial speculative bubble. Yeah, time will tell. Kind of how far this goes, how deep it goes. I really hope. Uh, you know, it doesn't take off the the news reports, and and you know that video really points out that the news reports that you know come from Wired and IGN and uh, even like bigger publications, Washington Post, I think was called out. Um, they really, really do not help <laughs> the situation because yeah. you get you get a, a little bit more of like the average reader um, or the non gamer involved in in the bubble who maybe aren't as knowledgeable or aren't as familiar with what the pricing should be um, and who aren't necessarily yeah. interested in playing these games. Um, when those folks get involved, then that's where things really kind of uh, shit the bed. So I think, I think there is some kind of responsibility that uh, these publications need to have um, in, in terms of when they're reporting on these things, who are they really benefiting? Right. Or yeah. is there, is there a part of this whole, this whole scam where these, you know, WADA and Heritage Auctions are, you know, somewhat financially involved with these publications. And maybe there's a kickback or maybe there's something happening under the table of, you know, to, to get these publications to write these articles that are kind of pumping up this market. Yeah, I'm sure that there probably is. But then again, they probably don't even have to because sensationalism about video games in media has happened since video games ever first existed. Like, mm. WADA and Heritage Auctions don't have to pay anybody for just some, like, bit journalist to be like, oh, wow, hey, do you mind if I write an article on our website about how there was this copy of Mario 64 that sold for $2 million? A lot of people are gamers out there. They'll read it. Yeah. So, <laughs> you yeah. know. And it doesn't, it doesn't benefit the right people. And um, it especially annoys me on a personal level not just because my hobby is being affected but because um, members of my family who aren't involved in my hobby and don't understand any better will message me and be like hey you really need to sell your mario 64 like two million dollars is worth more than the memories you have like you know they don't <laughs> yeah, say it exactly like that yeah. but you know i've gotten that from family and friends and i'm like you don't understand a i wouldn't do that for six million dollars and <laughs> And B, no, 
that's not how this works yeah yeah uh it, it, it's definitely like the even in the show in the, in the video they talk about like the pawn stars effect right of like a thing shows up on pawn stars and suddenly like everybody thinks they're millionaires for having like an nes yeah my dad rest his soul he was that kind of person where he he watched an episode of i think it's storage wars and they found an nes and my dad was like they they sold that for like big money i was like <laughs> it's like it's worth like 50 bucks dad yeah <laughs> Uh, what, uh, what games have you been, uh, spending your hard-earned money on, uh, over the past couple yeah. of weeks here? So this, the last couple of weeks, um, since the last time we had an episode have actually been really good to me because a couple of mom and pops that have been in the area have had some really good stuff. And I follow them all on Facebook because I, you know, support your local video game stores. They, they need to be around. We need a place to walk into a brick and mortar store and buy video games. So I do that. And this past fortnight, we, we do these every two weeks, um, every single one of the ones that I follow on Facebook have posted something that has caught my eye, and so I went in to get it. <laughs> wow. Um, so I'll start with, uh, I, I went to uh, Blast from the Past, which is a place uh, right near where I grew up in Bayshore on Long Island. Um, my friend Rich opened that place recently we became friends through video game trading post because he and the owner mike knew each other and then i got close with rich and then rich opened his store so it's nice going in there because i know the dude and he's a really cool guy um mm. and his his prices even before he gives discounts to his friends and family they're already really nice um but i went in because i saw that he had a copy of uh, donkey kong country on game boy color which is the only version of Donkey Kong Country 1 that I didn't have, so I figured I'd get it. But while I was there perusing his stuff, he, I noticed he had a copy of Fun Pack on Windows, and it's for Windows 3.1, <laughs> so it's like really old. But I had that game when I was a kid. I distinctly remember my dad bringing it home from like a Kmart or something, and I had never ever heard anyone else ever talk about it. I'd never seen it anywhere else than my childhood copy so it was really cool to see i have it in front of me and i just want to like read this to you tyler sure yes and i, I want to hear it <laughs> um what is the fun pack the fun pack is a collection of seven arcade style games for microsoft windows they are fast-paced and action-packed similar to classic video games like pac-man asteroids breakout and missile command and when they say similar um they mean like straight up copies Fun Pack is a <laughs> compilation of seven clones of popular uh, arcade video games, all oh, with amazing. different names. Yeah. So there's Choplifter, Pac-Man, Missile Command, Asteroids, Tetris, and Breakout. But they're, and they go it under says the names. those things? So it doesn't say those things. It says that they're video games like Pac-Man, Asteroids, etc. But they oh, yeah. are named something different. So Choplifter is called Blitzer. Pac-Man is called Chomp. Uh, because of course it is. Um, Missile Command is called Warhead. Asteroids is called Hyperoid. Tetris <laughs> is called Emlith. E-M-L-I-T-H. What? And, yeah, and Breakout is called Blockbuster. And a lot of those arcade games, where they originally came from, this disc on Windows 3.1 was my first experience ever playing them. Not Pac-Man, and not Tetris. But the others? I played them for the first time... <laughs> in their clone forms on this disc amazing yeah wow. so it was super cool to see that at uh, rich's store in public so i, okay, I had to so... get it it was like five dollars no one gives a shit about it <laughs> i'm i'm looking i'm looking this up i don't know uh if they all of the uh games are by this company but it says that emlith uh was uh created by way forward yes I, I actually looked that up when I cataloged the game in my collection because I like to see who the developer is. It was published by Wizardworks, but it says developed by WayForward. All of them are. Is it? Is it all of them by? WayForward? I believe so. I think oh all seven God. of them. Yeah. Wow, this is amazing. That is a piece of video game history right there. Right, I love that. Wow, uh, a pretty respected uh, developer these days. Uh, I think they're doing the the new Advance Wars. Um, the, yeah. The re reboot whatever thing. Uh, I'm really excited I, for that too. Yeah, yeah. I, so like you know, it's they, they've they've made a name for themselves, and it only took them like 
30 odd years uh, after creating <laughs> some Windows 3.1 clones of. Uh, I wonder Windows. if that was the first thing they worked on. I didn't go and look back at their catalog before then. I just I, I found it and I found their name attached to it and I was taken aback. Wow, but I'll, I'll have to go and see. I wonder if that was the first thing they ever worked on. But yeah, I think it was. <laughs> so it was really really cool to see that. Um, of course, I came right home and I installed them on my computer because I have a virtual box for old Windows. Yeah. And, um, oh, they're just as shitty as I remember. I love them so much. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love that kind of era of, like, early to mid-90s PC uh, where, you know, it, it was kind of like the bubble, like, was really taken off. And uh, there was kind of a lot of shovelware that was that was coming out. Yeah. Um, and, I, yeah, I have some fond memories of, of playing some, like, you know, real garbage shit. Like, you know, even, oh, like, Flash absolutely. games to an extent sort of <laughs> taken off, you know. Yeah, but uh, that wasn't the only thing that I was able to pick up. I'm going to make these short because uh, I want to give you your time to shine too. But sure. um, another place, Flashback Gaming, East Northport. I love the uh, the couple who owns that place. So I noticed that they posted that they had a uh, a copy of um, Castlevania II Belmont's Revenge for Game Boy, which is one of the only Castlevanias that I was still mm-hmm. missing. So I zoomed down there and I actually took a bunch of empty like Wii and 3DS cases and stuff that Max, my friend Max gave to me because a friend of his switched to like cart and disc only like a monster and oh, just yeah. shoved all of his stuff off to Max. But Max didn't want to deal with them. So he gave them to me. Um, I upgraded anything in my collection that needed upgrading, but they were all boxes of doubles. So Tyler, you're lucky because you got to claim a box and manual for Soul Silver which uh, is expensive, but I love you, so congratulations, it's free. Thank and, you, sir. Um, I do have yeah. a cart only of that. Out of all, it was kind of interesting. All these, You sent me this picture, and all of the uh, the cases uh, for these games, they were like, he would, Matt, Matt basically said, hey, uh, do you want any of these cart o- or box slash manual only uh, cases? And uh, they're all like first-party Nintendo games. Yep. <laughs> and all I was like expecting like shovelware, because I always get the notification for your messages, and I can read what you said, but I can't see the photo until I open the message. And yeah, so when same. you said that and I read it, I assumed it was just going to be like some shovelware or like maybe a couple <laughs> Cooking things. Cooking mama. Uh, no, it was fucking all first party Nintendo games. Yeah. Now, I mean, some of them were like lesser titles like Wii yeah, Fit sure. and stuff like that. But they were all published by Nintendo, every single one. Yeah. Um, Pokemon Black 2, there was a Soul Silver, which you'll get. There was a Wind Waker HD sticker star um a lot of good stuff so i brought those empties down to uh flashback and i got a pretty good chunk of credit for them so i was able to get the castlevania 2 and while i was there i also picked up magic sword um for super nintendo which is a pretty uncommon arcade port of a capcom game mm-hmm. um and i got um i senshi nikoru or love warrior nicole for famicom disk system which is a top-down action RPG that never oh, came fun. to the West. Um, and I've been wanting that for a while. So yeah, that was really fun too. Then I saw at the trading post, um, they got in a Game Boy copy of Mega Man 4, which is rare. And I want that game also. I have I have one through three. So I zoomed down and I went to pick it up. I had some credit left over in the system, but I also brought cash with me to fill in the remainder. And mm. they also had a copy of Crystallis for Game Boy Color, and I'm a big fan of the original Crystallis on NES. It's one of my favorite games. It's in my top 20 of all time. And I've played the Game Boy Color game with a friend, but I've never owned it. So I got both, and Mike did a bundle deal for me, so it was really awesome to pick those up. Damn. Yeah, the only other thing worth mentioning that I picked up was um, I got another Famicom disc game earlier uh, last week. Um Nakayama Miho no Tokimeki High School, or uh-huh. Nakayama Miho's Heartbeat High School, right. which is a Japanese dating sim for a disc system. Um, but it's interesting because like the game is whatever, right? Who cares? But yeah. it was one of the few Famicom disc games to come out on a blue floppy disc instead of a yellow one. And that's primarily uh, the reason I know, wanted it. I never see disc system stuff here. I like I, I like you know the, the you see one in a blue moon maybe. Right. Yeah. And it, like it was never obviously like it's a Japanese console, um, but like 
it's I feel like there when I when I visit you and I we go to the stores on Long Island or anywhere really, like there's always gonna be like some import stuff. Um yeah. and like maybe like it wouldn't be out of the ordinary to see a disc system or some disc system games or something like that. But like never, mm-hmm. you would never in a hundred years that's so sad see that kind of thing here it's super super, you say the same thing with like atari stuff there too it's very uncommon there atari is definitely more common than more common than that but still like pretty infrequent you'd say yeah yeah Yeah. so that's like the total opposite i mean yes disc system stuff is still uncommon here but atari is littered all over the place like you can lift up a rock and you'll find a like a copy of pac-man underneath it (laughs) Yeah, like if I wanted to find uh, you like a copy of Pac-Man or a, a copy of I don't know Defender or something, like you, yeah. you can, I could call around to the stores in town and one of them would likely have it. Yeah. Um, but I would kind of have to go out of my way to to find it. I wouldn't be able to just walk into a store and they would have it. It would be a little bit more unlikely. Well, here's to hoping that at some point Canada or maybe just your area at the very least gets some Famicom disc games because they're really fun and I wish more of them would have come to the West because like god damn yeah they're so good um, in- instead of finding all that you know fun shit uh, <laughs> this this past two weeks um, I got I got Wally on on PSP on oh on PSP okay that's good that's something yeah. Is that it? <laughs> yeah, that's all I got this week. <laughs> tell, tell me, tell me about the story. How'd you get it? Oh, uh, Lauren was at a thrift store um, that's kind of near her parents' house, uh, and uh, it's a pretty good th- thrift store. Uh, I think I've talked about it before, mm-hmm. um, and they they typically have like a couple things that are are mildly interesting. I, I do think that they're like a, an eBay store, you know. Like I think they've got an eBay account, and they probably yeah. have a box in the back that the good stuff gets tossed into. Um, but they they've got some good stuff sometimes um and uh lauren was at the store all of their all of their games are five dollars unless they determine it's more than five dollars and then i think it goes in the ebay pile mm-hmm. um so it's not like you're gonna find anything great in the in the five dollar bin but there's like some good stuff and so lauren was there and uh she texted me and said hey do you want this and it was wally on psv um and i didn't see the text immediately and so, like, maybe, like, I don't know, half an hour or an hour later, I responded, and I said, oh, yeah, sure. Five bucks, okay, I'll take it. <laughs> and she's like, I'm already an hour away, sorry. Yeah, well, yeah. And she A half like, hour oh. later, she was an hour away. <laughs> yeah, she, she was like, oh, I'm, I'm like, we left, like, do, do you, how, how badly do you want it? <laughs> and I was like, not badly <laughs> at all, like, don't worry Lauren, about it. Lauren, this is the only thing I've ever wanted in my whole life. Please go back, sweetheart. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I was like, I don't want it that badly at all. Like, don't bother going back, it's fine. And she's like, okay. And then I joined her. Uh, she was staying at her parents' house. And then I joined her a couple days later. And she was like, hey, I have a surprise for you. I'm like, oh, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> it was Wally on PSP. Oh, how sweet. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, we go to this thrift store, like, all the time. Like, every couple days. Because they, they always put up new stuff. So we go, yeah. like, pretty frequently when we're down there. Uh, and so I guess she had went back. And it was still there. And so she got it. Oh, cool. So uh, I got Wally. Um, never gonna play it, ever. <laughs> um, hey, it's a pickup. It counts. But I got that. I did get my E-Starland games. Uh, those did oh, come yeah. in. Uh, very surprisingly good condition. Um, two of them had uh, the dust cover on them. So they were like shrink wrapped with the dust cover on. You ever see that? Like the dust yeah. covers on them, and then they shrink wrap on top of that. Yeah, I've seen that. My copy of Cool World that I got was also shrink-wrapped, although it didn't have the little tiny SNES dust cover. Yeah, um, so that, you know, that's kind of weird, because then you unwrap it and the dust cover is all, like, kind of mangled. Because <laughs> it got, like, pushed inward by the by the cellophane yeah. wrap. Yeah. yeah, not that I care that much about the dust cover, but... Um, were yeah. they first-party dust covers? They said Nintendo uh, one? One of the two were. That's cool. Those are a little bit more difficult to find. Yeah, I've got a bin of them somewhere. Um, I do too. <laughs> I must have. I must have like thirty or forty of them just sitting around. Did every NES game, boxed NES game, come with a dust cover? Um, I believe so, except for like later releases when you know I I can't say I have ever unboxed a new uh, NES game. I haven't either, but I I just know my history. Um, the first party titles almost always came with a nintendo branded dust jacket and every Mm -hmm. other game came with just a black one 
some games came with like their own color like a gray one or tengen games came with a cardboard one that's a tengen on it but, oh interesting yeah no matter what none of them are really too expensive even the more rare ones like the gray ones or the tengen ones they're like a dollar no one cares yeah yeah so uh anyway so yeah those, those are my pickups uh this week um that's cool though i'm glad i'm so glad that you were able to uh order from east arland you actually got them delivered to your house yeah no I, w- I was half expecting them to arrive and be like hey come pay the duties and customs fees yeah. or whatever because like tyler and i have a have a sordid history of going on ebay together and trying to help each other collect stuff and any time that tyler finds something that he really likes for a good price either they don't deliver to america or if they do, or they don't deliver to Canada, sorry. Or if they do deliver to Canada, it's just not worth it because it's going to cost too much money in shipping. Yeah, eBay had a change, I want to say maybe two, three years ago at this point, where mm-hmm. international shipping uh, just got exorbitantly more expensive. And mm-hmm. it's because the way that it's processed on there now, you have to basically use eBay's international system. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know the the exact details of it, but you used to kind of be able to like, you know, pick whatever price you want. Like, you know, if, if I, if I live in the U S and I'm able to figure out a way to ship to Canada on the cheap, you know, if, whether it's like a letter mail thing where I shoved a cartridge into a letter and you know, that flies, uh, you can, you can ship it, (laughs) which I've done for you. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but now you have to use eBay's like international shipping system that uh, applies whatever, you know, uh, exorbitant ship, like international shipping method that they pick for you, uh, as yeah. I understand it. So you can't really kind of like sidestep the system by like shoving it into a letter. Um, well, you can sidestep the system by doing what we've always pretty much done, where you send it to my place and then eventually we see each other and you just take them from me. Yeah, it's always kind of funny when the games come from like Seattle or like or Montana even, uh, and they fly yeah. across the continent to you, and then you package them up and then some send them up to me back across the continent. <laughs> or they fly across the continent to me, and then you fly across the continent to me to pick to them come up. Get them, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's there's uh there's got to be a better way. Come on, international shipping. Yeah. What's what's going on? It's like it feels almost like video games are like a commodity in Canada. I know that they're not. No. But the way that it is set up on eBay where it's so much more difficult to get them to Canada feels like they're more of a commodity. Yeah, I don't know. Like you got to it seems that the pricing here in brick and mortar is basically on par at, like to what it would cost if I ordered a game on eBay and paid the international shipping. Like, the discount that you get for buying it on eBay is negated immediately, so you may as well just go into the brick-and-mortar. Yeah. Do you have many brick-and-mortar stores near you? I feel like we talked uh, about this before. Yeah, there's there's a handful. I would say in town, we probably have about six or seven dedicated ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a couple of, like, antique stores that have a game section. Um or just kind of odds and ends stores that, that have a small game selection. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's there's probably about six. There's one kind of chain called Game City. Uh, and Game City has, I want to say, maybe four or five locations. And they're typically in malls. Um, mm-hmm. And they typically have quite high prices. But they also sell, like, merchandise and, you know, plushes and clothing and, and, that, and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, my, my favorite store in town is called Next Wave. Shout out to Next Wave Games in Edmonton. Um, it's, uh, it's a great store. They, they, I mean, the prices are a little bit high. They, they have to compete, right? They, like, they have to of make course, their money. Yeah. So it, it the happens, fact but... that they're a brick and mortar store that sells retro video games is enough of an excuse for me to be okay paying the slightly. Yeah. Oh, premium. certainly. Yeah. Yeah. I love going in there. The, the folks in there are super, super nice. Um, and they're, they're always posting whatever their, their kind of interesting trades are on their Facebook page as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, real stand up class act uh, group of people at Next Wave Games. Yeah. Oh, I love it when they do that. Like. Half the half, all half the stuff that I bought this past week, week and a half ish, were because they posted their trades on their Facebook pages. I love that. I so like I can there. see I what they've got, so I can go down there. Yeah, I gotta go give them a visit. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna have to while. come up and uh, I'm gonna have to come up and see you eventually. I gotta see your new place and stuff like that, and uh, you'll have yeah, to dude. take me there. Yeah, dude, come on up. Because I've uh, taken you to pretty much every store that's around here more the, than one is, time. 
is the border cool yet? Are you allowed to come up here yet? I don't know what the deal uh, is coming I, this way. I think so. I'm yeah, pretty sure. For, for me to come down there, I have to pass a COVID test, like going down and then coming back up. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to pay for it, and it's like not super cheap either. But you know, alas. Oh, really? Ew. Yeah. So I wonder what it's like for you coming here. I don't know what what the sitch is on that front. I feel like it'd probably be much of the same. Yeah. Who knows? We'll have to look into it. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I think uh, I think that's all we got. I yeah. think that'll do it for this week's show, folks. To learn more about Super FX, you can visit our website. It's uh, it's superfxpodcast.com. You can find our show wherever you find your other favorite podcasts, including on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and on Spotify. Uh, you can follow us on social media, including Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook, at SuperFXPodcast. Uh, please reach out with any comments or questions on social media, or you can send us an email privately. That's hi at hi at, whoa, hi at SuperFXPodcast.com. That's, That's hi at SuperFXPodcast.com. It's a tough one. Not. Right? Uh, if, uh, if you like what you were doing and you'd like to support us, please, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash superfxpodcast. Uh, if you're listening on YouTube, consider liking, subscribing, and leaving a comment down below. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, help us out uh, by rating and reviewing our show. Uh, a special thanks, as always, to our good friend Kenny Martin for the for our theme song. Uh, you can find him at Kenma. That's K-E-N-M-A dot bandcamp dot com. And as always, a very special thanks to you. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. See ya.